Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 210 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome, everyone, to a special bonus episode here on the podcast. We've got a very special guest here in the building uh, making his annual return to, uh, we're, we're officially calling it annual, you're coming every year now, uh, making his annual return to the podcast. The great Brandon Sanders is here. Uh covers college fantasy football uh for campus to canton uh welcome to the show brandon thanks guys thanks for having me it's good to see the whole crew this time around i'm excited we get to talk about some uh players in the ncaa and see how they stack up here in the cfl i'm pretty stoked to see the two worlds come together again yes that's what we're here to do and we do have the entire crew here in the building this evening i'm ryan coop also with us here this evening trey colbeck trey how are you doing tonight fantastic gentlemen always happy to talk football had a full weekend of horse racing so i'm tired of that let's talk about some gridiron sounds good adam stewart is here as well adam how are you tonight well anytime i'm not picking rocks and don't have to stare at that i'm very happy so yeah it's gonna be fun i actually get to talk a little bit about what i really like and that's the future of everything and uh yeah we got some uh i want to see some future american stuff and that's uh where we're here tonight and that's going to be really cool so uh we talked about canadians earlier this uh this year and now it's time to talk to the americans so let's go for yes, it absolutely and making his grand return to the podcast he's been away he's been busy he's been working hard uh michael garrell is back for a new season of cfl football and uh here to talk some cfl and college football here tonight too mike how are you tonight welcome back i am great i am Ready to combine, well, two of my three favorite brands of football to watch into one uh, conversation. For those that don't know, I am a bigger college football fan than I am NFL fan, so this will be dead tonight. Yes, it's going to be a fun night here. Brandon already mentioned it a little bit, but we're going to go through some of the college fantasy football stars looking to make a similar impact in the CFL. He's prepped us uh, a little bit of info on some different guys around the league. I'll also talk a little bit about the differences between CFL fantasy, college fantasy, uh, all that fun stuff. And uh, the thing on everybody's minds, the great Curtis Rourke watch uh, coming on, coming later in the show here as well. Uh, as always, we want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. We're live on a variety of different platforms. Uh, we'll be taking your comments and your questions in our live chat throughout the night, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV, which you can learn more about by visiting GameTimeTV.ca or uh, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. Uh, as we kick off a new season on the podcast, also, if you're looking for more additional content on top of our weekly episodes or you're just looking to chat CFL football with us or others, make sure you check out our new Discord community as well. We're talking fantasy football here tonight. I've got a lot of fun things. Uh, if you're interested in fantasy football coming from members of our Discord community uh, and you want to you know, join a head-to-head -head fantasy league, I will run a head-to-head -head fantasy league for you uh, if you get into the community there. Uh, link is in the, the episode description if you want to join our Discord there. 
and I think that's it for the introduction piece, uh, at least the usual show notes. Uh, you know, we had you on the podcast last season, Brandon, uh, episode 162, I think, uh, last I checked. Uh, we talked a lot about the differences uh, about between the two games then. We also got, uh, I think, a decent bit of your backstory. But uh, for all of our new listeners in the last year, I may, guess maybe just quickly start with uh, what got you into uh, college fantasy football and uh, what are you doing with it right now, kind of? Sure. So quick summary. Um, I started in 2016, uh, originally uh, NFL, uh, when it comes to uh fantasy football that was of course the uh the initial gateway drug that we all like to enjoy first before we venture into other ventures and stuff like that but uh you know i did some writing for the fantasy footballers and then followed by dynasty nerds so um big you know big into regular redraft that was always the easy one to play then dynasty football became a thing where you hold on to your players for a long time well you know your rookies that are coming in they're all college so it was like there's got to be a way to kind of research these guys other than just looking at stats and stuff like that and then b being a homer our tar hills are very hit or miss really good offense very no this uh defense is optional so needs to say uh I have to sweat a lot of games. I have to outscore most of their opponents. So uh, we don't really touch a national championship anytime soon, um, unfortunately. But so to do that, yeah, I started digging around. And sure enough, someone told me that college fantasy football was a thing. And apparently it's been going on for a while. We're talking like spreadsheet aid and stuff like that, like bare minimum before there was a website you could actually play on and stuff like that. So by the time I got in, Lamar Jackson was his senior season there at Louisville before he became a Baltimore Raven and the rest is history. So being able to see that big stellar year of Lamar Jackson and stuff like that, being able to play uh, college fantasy football for the first time really was the uh, was the one two punch that got me hooked to the point to where I spend most of my time now, even looking at kids in high school and stuff like that as they're coming in and helping uh, people that are actually playing dynasty version of CFF. So uh, it, it, it goes deep guys and the rabbit holes there. And then, Sure enough, I found my way into the into the Canadian where I see a lot of uh, former players. And I was just like, well, this is really cool. They're getting an extra opportunity and other leagues now that we can talk about here shortly that are happening in the springtime. So just a lot of fantasy football. And now we can play year round. And that's really what I wanted to do is be able to play fantasy football year round. And I'm able to do that with all these different leagues. So that's kind of all that in a nutshell, basically. This is your first full season playing uh, CFL fantasy this past year, correct? Uh, have you have you learned anything new uh, about the CFL fantasy game in particular? Any new observations since we last spoke? Uh, and I guess as part of that, kind of what's one thing from CFL and college fantasy that you wish the other had? Yeah, so my biggest takeaway is that uh, I like the um, – the way that it's structured as far as like finding players, but they use a, a value pretty much like a dollar value. So um, it's like DFS and I played a lot of uh, DraftKings and FanDuel and stuff like that as well. Um, so when, you know, your, your team's not playing, you, you know, you can play other teams and stuff like that. So the good thing is I had that kind of common knowledge. So that kind of really helped. And I do like that because it helps you squeeze in different players each week. And I'd say probably, the one thing that I wish that CFF had was the uh, option of the return game because there's a lot of these players, and some of them we'll talk about tonight, that have a better fantasy point per game average in the CFL than they would in college fantasy football or in the NFL if they're playing that way. So the return game is big for the CFL, and that's what I wish that college fantasy had pretty much to go along with it. And then, you know, finding that, uh, that you can really stack um, when it comes to the same players. So you can take like a quarterback from the same team 
and then their wide receiver, their running back, and kind of stacking them together as like a little mini stack. That's a good way to go about playing and be different with your lineups in the Canadian Football League that I found that not everyone was doing. Um, so that I thought that was pretty interesting, and that helped me kind of get an edge sometimes in some weeks when I was, you know, jumped in. I was a couple of weeks late starting off, but I was able to hop in and kind of catch up on some points to catch up to you guys when you guys had the official league that was on the website. So I was able to catch up a little bit, couldn't get into the top five, but I was able to crack the top 10. And, you know, it was like a good three or four weeks behind. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, really quickly, before we kind of talk about the players and, you know, one player to watch from each team and all that kind of stuff, uh, I, I think it would be cool to kind of go back and kind of reflect on the last, two years in the what I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this, but the seismic earthquake that has seemed to have hit college football, not necessarily from, well, I, I mean, I guess all roads lead to money, but first off the SEC leaving its long-term uh, long-time TV partner in CBS and the big 10 now getting three networks involved, by extension, the college football playoff, and by extension as well, in addition, the earthquake that has suddenly become multi-million dollar, multi-school, multi-faceted relocation, rebranding of conferences, removing a couple of California team moving around, having laundry traps. Is this all about the money or why this seismic sort of change happening in college football when it comes to TV, the college football playoff? I realize it's all kind of interconnected, but as somebody that's followed college football for a long time, it seems like a big seismic change is about to happen and the little guys may be left behind as a result yep um you're pretty much the a lump sum it is about money it's also about exposure and getting in front of the tv um now with the nil in place uh name image and likeness for those that don't uh, know the the terminology there but it just means that the player can earn profit to whether that's being in a commercial or the we're finally getting the NCAA football game. That's the biggest thing that we really cared about to begin with. So we're just happy that you can get a name. I don't have to go in there and put in their names manually and worry about all that in dynasty mode. It's all just going to be there, which is going to be fantastic. So that's the good part of it. The bad part of it is, is that it's the tradition. And that's where a lot of us in the past and Mike, I'm sure you can kind of agree. Like there's these rivalries that are in place that have been there for years and years and decades and decades. So it's like, for us, it's the Tar Heels versus Duke, whether that's basketball or football. That's a big deal to us, us versus NC State. Then you have Ohio State versus Michigan. You have, you know, the Pac-12. So you have like the USC versus UCLA. There's all these big rivalries, but now they're all up in the air, all because they're just trying to pack in as many of the bigger players as they possibly can into one thing. So we call it what's called the Power of Five, which is like five conferences that have the most, I'd say, money coming into their universities and stuff like that. So they're getting probably the bigger deals and stuff like that. That's in jeopardy now. So now it's like the big, the the P5, and then we have these G5 teams, and there's a couple players tonight that are 
considered in the greater five, which is all these smaller conferences that aren't getting as much TV exposure. They don't get as much money as far as per year or scholarships and stuff like that. So they run the biggest risk, but we're, see, we're even seeing like my conference, like the ACC, where it's like we might, you know, North Carolina might be playing in the Big Ten randomly against Ohio State every year, or, you know, we might see like we're already going to see Texas and Oklahoma jump to the SEC. So now that conference is getting bigger. Big Ten's getting bigger. So it's like, it's going to be like a big three or a power three type situation. And everyone else is just going to be in scraps and stuff like that. And then with the national playoff, everyone's trying to get in these conferences so then they can showcase each other so they can say, Hey, it's not all, all about wins and losses. It's about who you played. And if you played a better team that year and stuff like that, Oh, we should probably be in the national playoff where it used to just be the top four teams battle it out. And then that's it. So that's all changing too. So, yeah, Mike, a lot of it's the money, man. A lot of it's the TV exposure and the deals that are coming through. And a lot of these, uh, we even have the transfer portal now, which is like college free agency for us. So keeps us on our toes a lot a lot more this year than it was the past few years. So um, all these kids are just like, well, I don't want to play for this quarterback. My stats are going to look bad. I need to go play for this quarterback. He's going to be a Heisman contender. That means that my draft stock's going to get better. I can go to the NFL in a higher round. Or, you know, at least I can have a good showcase if I don't get drafted. There's the XFL with the rock trying to get people re you know, put into the NFL. And then you have the CFL where you could probably at least get a roster spot and not have to sit on the, the practice squad. So I definitely, uh, I definitely feel you, Mike. It's a, uh, it's kind of heartbreaking, but at the same time, like it's just the change in the times and it's definitely the, uh, the money that's involved for sure. And a lot of TV exposure. So you're, you're right about that, man. Awesome. I was going to ask the next question, but Mike took mine pretty much because I was going to touch on that. But you mentioned the video game. When is that coming out? Because I've seen conflicting things. Do you have a more inside uh, source on that? I think they pushed it to uh, next year. They're thinking August. So like the month before, because we kick off late August is where NCAA Mm -hmm. kicks off for us. And then we have the NFL in early September. So it's like they're going to try to beat out Madden. So then they get all that you know money, and then they move into Madden season, basically. So uh, we should be getting it earlier in August. So we're hoping like a good two or three weeks before that one. So that's the that's the game. And needs to say we've been waiting a long time since <laughs> yeah. since NCAA fourteen, which people still will play on the Xbox three hundred and sixty in like a hack version or whatever. So if you're a video game enthusiast, there's still Dynasty leagues going on, whether it's online or not. Whether you so people are diehard, so they're super excited about a brand new option. My TikTok is full of guys who play that and decide, let's put it on TikTok so everyone else wants to play that game. Uh, I love it. No, I I love it too. Those old ones were probably the best sport games of all time. And real real quick, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a CFL countdown like tournament in that, right, boys? Right? When that comes out. If you don't I don't care, I don't want to hear I don't have a system. We will buy you a system. We can probably pay on the PC. It's all good. One way exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you can. So uh we'll we'll be good. We'll set something up for me. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and then mine was actually another question here, and I know you briefly just quickly were starting to touch on it there with the USFL and the XFL all coming in now. Are more NCAA players, and I mean, there's 133 schools. Everybody's not getting drafted by the NFL, obviously. But those ones that are kind of on the fringe of being drafted by the NFL weren't drafted by the NFL. Do you you see more NCAA players now thinking that the XFL, USFL is their best route back to the NFL? Or does the CFL still have a chance? And if if they don't, if the CFL is maybe on the bottom of those three totem poles, uh, how does the CFL actually more entice more NCAA players to come up to the Canadian and give the Canadian game a try? Yeah, um, 
I personally think the XFL is doing the right, especially with the Player 54 initiative, um, the way that Dwayne Johnson, the Rock, he was a guy that was on Miami. He was highly tight at squad. I mean, that was like Ray Lewis and the rest of them, just a really, really beast defense. Um, and then, But he just didn't make it to the NFL, but he had wished he had a league like this that became a feeder or a minor league. I mean, they're not going to come out and say it, but the XFL is essentially setting themselves up, especially with their own rookie draft coming up and all this other stuff. Like, they're really trying to push – the narrative, like if you come play here, it's a step down level in competition per se in the NFL, but it gives you the eyes that you need to see. So then the scouts from the NFL are always welcome there. So it's like an open door policy. It's like, come look at our guys. And then after the season, they're fair game and you can come and sign them. So I feel like it's really enticing, especially in the XFL because the gameplay was really good. And I do like some of the rules. A lot of people, you know, are fighting, especially like Pat McAfee. He's a, you know, he comes from a kicker one, so he wants the kickoff. Whereas XFL is pretty cool because you have them all standing in one spot waiting for the kickoff, which means kickoff return yards is good. That could be enticing, especially in CFL where the return yards matter, uh, especially in CFL fantasy. That's the biggest thing for me that I really enjoy. So I feel like the XFL really is, um, whereas the USFL, they're trying, but they still have this you know, uh, COVID mentality where it's still the hub. So they're all playing at one stadium and stuff like that. So until they can kind of increase to multiple stadiums like the XFL is doing, like it's just something about going and watching, like especially St. Louis that lost the Rams and now they're in LA. So it's like having a St. Louis team is like a huge. So the fact that the XFL stadium can get like 20,000 people in a, in an arena and they're rocking over there, that's big time for the XFL. So um, they're doing it right with their marketing stuff like that. USFL, I think in time, if they expand and actually do like traveling games and things that are good, I think uh, our boy MBT, who uh, moved over from CFL to the USFL, if he goes to XFL, that's where I think he could really possibly get on as an NFL backup. But he used to say he doesn't go back to the CFL and stick his claim as another starting quarterback. So um, the CFL, I think, is good. It's just the marketing. I think we touched on it last year, me and Ryan did, but it's just they got to do better with, like, hyping up their draft and their free agency period and stuff like that, like, you guys, I personally rather come watch you guys do CFL free agency than I would, you know, like an actual television because you guys do more in depth than you have guests on. And there's just better banter and stuff like that. So I feel like the CFL is just missing a lot of opportunity to market themselves as a like an XFL. And then if they openly just said, hey, if you come play here, like I get it, you're American. But if you want to go back to the NFL, like we can really supply you the opportunity and you have a fair shot, just like the Canadians. And that's the biggest thing, too. Like, I know CFL is trying to protect themselves, and they have, like, a certain ratio, which I'm still trying to figure out. Um, but So are but, all of us. Uh, I know. So are like, all of us. It's more and more confusing every year. Right, yeah. So I'm trying not to understand. I'm just trying to do it as a brand-new guy to the, to the scene and stuff like that. But from the outside looking in, like, if they gave the Americans just a, you know, I want to say it doesn't have to become an American league, but it would be great if the – Canadians Americans could get a, just a fair shot on talent and then just let the better man win. And then if it happens to be Canadian over American, that doesn't bother me as an American. Like I just want them to have a fair enough shot, just like they do in the XFL and the USFL. So if they did that, did better marketing. Then I think the CFL would rival personally. I have XFL like first CFL second USFL feels a little bit more. And I don't want to call them Bush league, but they just need to expand their, you know, their, their traveling and their, and their playing type stuff. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as how they, kind of stack up with each other yeah unfortunately if you were just getting a grasp of the ratio i believe this year is when they uh started adding the like 49 percent of snaps rule or something like that where an american veteran playing 49 percent of snaps 
apparently counts as a Canadian. What's the point of passports anymore, folks? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting for sure. Uh, we do have a question in our YouTube chat here for you, Brandon. Uh, Chris sure, wants to know like about your thoughts on the NFL draft this year. Uh, mostly that, you know, first four picks of the draft, three of them were quarterbacks this year. Uh, and uh, Chris is also a huge Seahawks fan and uh, wants to know if you have any thoughts on uh, what they're getting. Um, so shout out to the Seahawks. They had a good draft. Um, a little, I'm a Broncos fan, so it still hurts. Super Bowl 47 was rough. Uh, we haven't had a Super Bowl win since Super Bowl 50. Um, but needless to say, um, we have Russell Wilson. Hopefully Coach Payton can turn that around. We have at least a legendary coach. But Russ did not cook, nor did he ride. Um, so if he was trying to be any like a jockey, I'm sure Mr. Colbeck over there would have pretty much just kicked him off as a jockey because he was not riding at all. Um, and I almost wanted $200 million back because that was ridiculous. But anyway, um, better times ahead. But I do think that uh, the Seahawks are doing well. They kept Geno Smith, which is great. Um, they didn't rush to try to get a quarterback. There's a great class of quarterback, but there's two really good ones, one being our quarterback, Drake May from North Carolina, the other one being Caleb Williams from USC. They're kind of like the Curtis Rourke of, you know, the, Curtis Rourke's the CFL uh, kind of guy that everyone's hoping for. Caleb Williams and Drake May are the like the quote-unquote generational talent that could come in and really change the game for the NFL as well. So a lot of teams are looking as a future, but I like how they gave Geno Smith another shot because he did a really great job. Jackson Smith and Jib was an excellent wide receiver and a really good offense coming from Ohio State, and that's just a factory of really great wide receivers that just know how to catch the football and get open pretty quick. So to answer his question, Seahawks are looking good, um, and I think that uh, they got a really good shot, you know, to kind of move into more of a playoff scenario and not just a you know middle of the pack type situation for sure. Um, but I thought the draft was uh, was really good. Like I said, they always do a great job about production. Like I'm one of those freaks that'll just watch all three days if I have it. So <laughs> I like doing it. And I just honestly wish the CFL would do the same because I'd probably just sit there and watch it myself. So even if I was by myself, I'd still watch it. Preaching to the choir here, Brandon. Uh, I think we're all on the same page with that one. Uh, let's get into the main uh, the main event here uh, on this episode. Uh, you've prepared uh, a, a nice little slideshow and some thoughts here for us on uh, CFL fantasy players to know for this season, uh, college fantasy football stars that uh, you know have now moved over to the CFL. Some of these guys will be people you know. Fans will probably have heard of. Uh, some will be guys that maybe you know have been involved in training camp. We haven't heard you know enough uh, about it. It's a CFL game yet, but perhaps we will hear more about them. Uh, to to add to the credibility here, I mean, uh, Brandon did tell us all about Dalton Schoen uh, pretty early last season that he was going to be a, a big star, and uh, I think he hit the nail on the head with that one there, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Um... Shout out to Akeem Butler. I know Chris Jones didn't do anything with him with Edmonton Elks, but they certainly know how to use him in the XFL. So that was really good to see him break out. So even if I didn't do good that way, then oh well. You know, at least I got him right on the other one. I was just wondering, did Akeem Butler be able to play multiple positions? Maybe that was the issue why Chris Jones left. Most likely. I mean, Chris Jones, I've, I've been told, is a wild man in his decisions and doesn't make any sense. So I've heard that Edmonton Elks are just wild out there in the West. So I'm just like, all right, as long as Winnipeg's beating them and it's just us and the Rough Riders in the end, that's all I really care about. So <laughs> the I don't think you have your team yet last season. Are you officially a Bomber fan now? I am. If you notice the sweet flag in the background, I oh, am. Yeah. I have. 
during free agency, I gave my free agency up and I became a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan. It was Dalton Schoen that, that sold me. The return of Kenny Lawler is fascinating to me. There was a guy they picked up in training camp, but then he let him go. So now this slide doesn't make any sense, but it was going to be such a good pick. And we'll still talk about him because he might wind up on another team or a practice squad, but whatever. Um, I was just really a fan of Winnipeg. Their social media is honestly another one that did really well that uh, I was just like, these guys are funny. <laughs> I actually like them because they're making a lot of sense. And so um, when there's the game with all the like horns going on, and I couldn't hear like half the game. I forget which team that is that you go to, but super annoying. But the fact that Winnipeg was just sitting there joking about it on Twitter, I thought that was hilarious. So it kind of sold me, to be honest with you, like a good joke. So uh, definitely became a newer Winnipeg Blue Bombers guy. And I wear it proudly with my other you know, guys, at the D.C. Defenders and my Tar Heels and my Broncos. So. Somehow, you know, we bring a guest onto the podcast and it's another Bomber fan for Adam to deal with. I'm sorry, Adam. I, I really gave it a good look, man. I was looking at the Rough Riders for a hot minute. Well, let's face it, there wasn't much to look at last year, so I can't really blame you on that. But uh, nevertheless. <laughs> oh, look at that sweet rain, baby. Oh, baby. Oh, man. And I'm going to get that Argo one to match, boys. <laughs> Send it to good old Chad Kelly. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into the slides you've prepared here for us. I'll pull it up here. Let me switch some things around on the screen here. Uh, very nice looking slides, by the way. So thank you for that. Uh, who are we starting off with here? We're starting off with the BC Lions. We are. We're going to start off with the Lions. And when they uh, had acquired Mr. Jared Smart uh, from the college team Hawaii, they're fighting Rainbow Warriors. Uh, he's 5'11", 190 pounds. Hawaii is known for what we call the air raid system, so which is very much like spread it out and pass it type situation. So the good thing about Jared Smart is that uh, he's just a very good as far as actually like receptions, just getting open and kind of passing uh, most of his defenders as well. So his totals uh, out of the three seasons that he did get to play, 149 receptions, 1,863 yards, and eight uh, pass or eight catching touchdowns out of 37 games. So if he converted that into CFL points, he'd be averaging about 10.36 fantasy points per game, which is pretty solid. BC, I know it's not Nathan Rourke, but I am a fan of VA. Um, I think Adams is pretty, pretty talented. And I think that he can kind of uh, move this around for the BC Lions. Now, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, is, uh, is Butler still or did he go to to Hamilton like everybody else. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying yeah. to figure out what they got at running back because the running game I noticed was actually pretty good, but it was a good balance with them and having a Nathan Rourke there I thought was really, really, really good. So but I don't think they lose too, too much more with uh, VA there. So I think Jared Smart could get on the field. And if he does, I think that he could be a wide open option there for uh, for BC. Well, that's nice and all, but uh, well, there's two things with this. Uh, one, uh, does this guy remind you of Chad Owens in any way, shape, or form? I mean, went to the same school, went so through that same air raid system, like you just said. Uh, roughly the same size and measurements, kind of the same stats. I mean, is this kind of a prototypical guy out of Hawaii, or what's uh, what's the story with this? Yeah, so it's uh, and you probably probably I don't know if you watch any XFL, but Cedric Bird, the second he played out of the, he played with the Roughnecks. Pretty much the same build, same university. Um, There's another guy, Jojo Ward. He was just 6'2 and 200 pounds, but pretty much caught the same, so a little bit bigger of a target. But a Hawaii, pretty much they bring in the receivers knowing that they're just looking for guys that can kind of just get open and be fast in that way because their quarterback play, 
Uh, not the greatest in history on that one as well. Very much medium or I would say average at best. So they just need to have a cannon. That's really their requirement there at Hawaii. So they just want guys that can kind of separate themselves from the defender real quick and just kind of get up. And so you're very much onto something, Adam, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was just wondering on that. The only problem with it is also in BC is that they do have a pretty stacked uh, receiving core. If you take a look at guys like Keon Hatcher, Alexander Hollins, uh, Justin McKinnis was just acquired over there. Lucky Whitehead again. Most of these guys, other than Lucky Whitehead, are well over six feet. I, I would have maybe a question about height if he is going to have a long career. I mean, in the CFL, traditionally height isn't as big of an issue. But lately, we've been seeing a lot more taller receivers. So I just kind of question that a little bit and to see if he'll be able to crack a roster spot or even a crap practice roster spot in on BC Lions. Has anyone heard anything as far as camps and stuff like that? Is he doing well or any? Unfortunately, any he, was, he was also released May 5th. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I, wouldn't, I, I was looking him up today and I was like, ah, he's got to be around. He's got to be around. And, yeah, the uh, day when camp started or day after camp started, it sounded like he might be has an opportunity somewhere else is what yeah. I'm guessing because it's yeah I don't think he reported the camp so so like I said uh, they they put him on the uh, on the released uh, list there on May fifth so gotcha. but also if injuries happen right there's not it's not out of the realm of possibility to see him brought back for a team like BC they saw something in him to bring him in in the first place right and. Injuries are going to happen around the league. Teams are going to need depth. Some teams have it already. Some do not. So, Well, look at the team that I've got right now. The Rough Riders are really light on depth uh, this year, I think, in wide receiver. And, I mean, a guy even that's 5'11", 190, can really fit in in a good uh, offensive scheme. And the big thing, I think, also is with the, a lot of these Americans we got to look at is how many of them can play teams and how many can play the special Special teams things. I mean, does Jared Smart work as a as a returner? I mean, that's really how Chad Owens kind of got into the league and then ended up becoming an awesome receiver. So if if he can be a good uh special teams guy and can do a good job on returns, I could see maybe maybe Jared Smart fitting on some team's roster sooner than later. Let's move on to our next team here in the list. It's the Calgary Stampeders. Tell us all about wide receiver wide receiver Andrew Parchment. So one, Andrew Parchment, sweet last name. Uh, definitely if you're a big fan of just paper in general or just anything like writing utensil-wise, really great last name to go on with it. So Andrew Parchment, Parchment 6'2", 191 pounds. Uh, played for Florida State was the last college he was. Before, that, before the transfer portal, he did play at Kansas with the Jayhawks as well. Um, so during that time frame, his total receptions, he did play four years. Uh, the main year is the 2019 season where he's with Kansas. That's where he kind of did his breakout season. But total, 114 receptions. He did 1,384 yards, 11 touchdowns, and he played 39 games total. So only converting that to CFL because he didn't have really any return yards or anything like that. Particularly, he's only about 8.16 fantasy points per game. However, he's lengthy. He's got a very big target. So his length and stuff like that, when he kind of stretches out to catch the football and stuff like that, is noticeably different than some of the other receivers. So though it's 6'2", it's almost like as long as you can put it in a seven-foot range, Andrew Parchman can pretty much bring it down. However, him moving from Kansas to Florida State became tougher competition. So he moved up to a higher in conference, which is the ACC still. 
Uh, defense is optional. However, Florida State um, struggled because they were more focused on, uh, for those uh, NFL fans that had K-Makers, who is now playing for the Rams, and K-Makers was big for Florida State in the running game. So uh, at this point in time when he played, they were more of a running team now with a different system. Uh, Florida State's much more of a happier, pass-happy one. So Par- Parchman just missed that uh, opportunity to throw, kind of really break out with a quarterback thing that can throw it a little bit better. So uh, that's what Andrew Parchman there. Okay, there we go. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> oh man. Um, but no, I. I mean, I. I look at this as, you know, a prototypical guy. And correct me if I'm wrong, that can really succeed in the CFL if put in the right position. He has your typical. Everybody looks at Calgary at wide receiver and going, where does this guy fit kind of into the in, into the mold, given the depth that they have? I see this as he's somebody that they don't have a lot of. Um, with the younger quarterback in Jake Mayer taking over, you know, target of his size and his ability to pull down balls would seem to be a benefit to him and also his quarterback. Do you see him as a possible different option from what maybe Calgary currently presents? Now, I realize you may not be familiar with with the roster, but could his skill set fit on a team like Calgary that has a lot of depth. Yeah, I mean, especially with the the length and his target zone and stuff like that, it's just it's hard to find guys that have sticky hands that where if you can kind of put it out in just a general zone that they can kind of pull it down. So um, from what I'm getting is that Mayor is fairly young in the quarterback, and it's good to have, you know, more of a veteran-type feel. And Parchment, you know, having four years in college fantasy, especially going up to a higher level, uh, you know, I think that's going to kind of be a little bit helpful. Now, will he crack? I'm not sure. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of the Philpot brothers, whether they're both on, on, you know, both teams. I get that. But like they're talented. There's some probably one of the better like receivers that I've seen, especially that are Canadian and stuff like that. Also, Keon Schaefer Baker, big fan of his as well. So it's like there's really, really good talent. So is he going to be able to get on there? I'm not sure. But I do think he separates himself as far as like his ability to catch and stuff like that. So that's where I think Parchman could be an asset. It's just he has to crack the starting lineup. So hopefully not too many injuries happen where he has to do that. It's really interesting you bring up that dynamic because I think Calgary is looking around at their division, you know, mentioning a couple of the receivers that you have already mentioned. And they're trying to find prototypical, maybe not year one starters, but if we have an injury or two, a guy that we can really kind of trust to haul in the the, the footballs. Um, you, you know, not to be, you know, too far away from the topic at hand, but the CFL has had, you know, a history of tall, bigger receivers making uh, their presence known. Uh, Carlton Idadosi being one, uh, David Carr 
and sorry, yeah, car. Sorry, if I played for the the bombers, great car. I think was his name now, but I think about it. Yeah. Um. So it's almost like they've looked around the division and they've said, "Hmm, this is the type of a, the a receiver like, you know, the one you mentioned in Saskatchewan." To, to kind of fit that mold. And, and maybe this is a kind of long, I don't want to, I, I hate saying that I is a long-term uh, project because that's not what it is. I think it's just a crowded receiver room, but, you know, would probably serve well to be on Calgary's practice roster, you know, an injury or two, he crafts his, himself onto that active roster and really helps, you know, solidify himself as a viable option in a division that is loaded, not only his team, but around the division with receivers that look just like him. And I, I think honestly too, playing at, you know, Florida state, you know, that's some pretty darn stiff competition there, you know, in that, in that ACC um, conference. This just to me, I, I don't know how you see it, but this this strikes me as a a very good kind of under the radar. Don't want to get my hopes up, but you know, sits two receivers at under two hundred. Yeah, he'll probably be given some time somewhere in and around that two hundred. You know, that strikes me as the guy, at least as the quarterback that I would want on my team. You know, not as a starter, like I said, but as an option down the line. Because, you know, we do know that there is uh, injuries that do happen and to have a viable option to kind of fill in. Like Calgary has all the time. It seems like they have that net guy up, but nobody seems to really know. Um, this is a guy that I've seen play on TV a couple of times. Really, really exciting. Um, I'm just wondering um, his... His sort of height and his stature of being able to, you know, haul that haul a lot of footballs in and, and make a big target for his quarterback. Does that affect his speed in any way? I don't think it has. Um, you know, because if he has to kind of stop up, you know, make the target and then and then run. I'm just wondering what are some of the downfalls in, in his game, if any, because you know, if he doesn't make Calgary, I don't think it's any, you know, not for any fault of his own. But maybe what are some of the weaknesses in his game that maybe don't necessarily translate to the CFL? I would say probably the biggest thing that he probably got a biggest knock on is that he didn't have a completed route tree, if that makes sense. So he was good about going out, you know, direct, whether that's a go route or if you just cut and do like a little cross route. Um, he's just big on like getting to the ends and the corners and kind of getting that reception. So if you're third and long and you just got to or if you say in the CFL, you're second and long and you got to get that first down. Like he's a good guy to get a hold of because he'll stretch out, get it, and kind of get it out of bounds type situation. So some of his knocks was there. He didn't really um, do a lot of uh, you know smaller uh, 
he didn't have like a lower 4.0 type situation in the combine either. So he kind of ran slower than what people were thought he was going to. So I know that's a knock at the NFL level and stuff like that. You know, it's almost got to be like a track star and be able to catch like everything under the sun to kind of get into the NFL. So when some of these guys are missing just a few of those options, they kind of fall or become undrafted free agents. And that's uh, kind of what happened with Andrew Parchman. Also, the production going down from Kansas to Florida State kind of lowered his tape value. So a lot of people weren't really seeing the same person from Kansas that they saw like the year before before he went to Florida State. So that's some of the knocks. But overall talent, he's good raw talent. He just needs the, a good place where someone's going to feed him, basically. If they can do that, you're good to go. Do you think that hurt his chances of making a legitimate shot in the NFL? Which part? Uh, just the relocation of schools and maybe the little bit of inconsistency. Yep. Unfortunately, um, with the NIL and the, the transfer portal, a lot of these uh, wide receivers are definitely um, they're picking and choosing who they're going to. They're looking at systems. They're looking at head coaches. They're looking at who's their quarterback and th- how good of a Heisman chance he has. Or can he just feed me because everyone else in that roster is not the greatest? So maybe I can become wide receiver one. So that's definitely a thing we're seeing more now in college fantasy or in just in college in general than we did um, you know, a few years ago for sure. I think, you know, just to weigh in on Calgary's depth here also, you mentioned their depth, Mike. They have a lot of depth guys, but a lot of unproven depth guys. So there's there's camp competition to be had there uh, across the board. Let's move on to our next guy here, a guy I'm really excited to, to, to talk about. One, because I, I think you're just choosing all the guys with the best last names on here. I mean, Maurice French with the double F in his name. How often do you see that? I love it. Also, he's had a pretty fine preseason. So uh, t- tell us a little bit about his college career, and, the, and then we'll get into his shot here with the uh, the Edmonton Elks. Yeah, so Maurice for French. So French, he's uh, he's got two Fs in the name, which is fantastic, right? Uh, it's Edmonton Elks. We'll talk about that in a second. So we'll talk about good old crazy Chris Jones. Um, but he's 5'11", 200 pounds, so he's got a makeshift. Uh, great body, great speed, stuff like that in particular as well. Um a lot of people remember Jordan Addison as far as getting drafted in the NFL this year. He came from the same college as Pittsburgh before the transfer portal in the NIM money sent him to USC to go play behind Caleb Williams, who's the, the standout quarterback of the future and won the Heisman, right? So before Addison was the top dog in Pittsburgh, Maurice for French was the guy. Like he was the possession king. Um, so overall, he had over 156 receptions, 1,637 receiving yards. But the great thing is that he also used to rush. So he did 357 rushing yards. He did 177 return yards. So he's a man that can get on the field no matter what. 10 receiving touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, and he played 45 games. So he had a lot of experience there at Pittsburgh. So he played uh, played all four years, uh, all before COVID. So he didn't have to worry about sitting out a season or having another red shirt. So he had plenty of time to kind of do his thing. Even his first year as a freshman, he was used as a running back because he was just that much of a beast. So he went for like 122 yards and two touchdowns just in his first season as a freshman. So, But because he played 45 games, his average as far as converted CFL fantasy points, it would be higher. But because he played 45 games, it's down to 9.92 fantasy points per game. But if you're looking to you know lower that from 45 down to what, 20, I think what, 21 or 22 games that the CFL plays each year, uh, you'd be a much higher version. So you'd be looking around like, 13 or 14 fantasy points a game. So he was efficient. He's really good, fast, um, very good with his hands. But the best thing is that he can get open, and that's the best best part about Maurice for French. So he was the Pittsburgh offense before Jordan Addison made Pittsburgh famous, if that makes sense. So 
Yeah, and he's one of the guys that I think might be one of the standouts so far of the CFL preseason. Uh, he has gotten an opportunity, and you mentioned you know a high volume of receptions across his college career, and he's he's done that in the preseason here as well. In his first preseason game, ten catches, one hundred and nineteen yards, and a touchdown. Oh wow! Uh, in his second preseason game, uh, six catches on seven targets. He was the most targeted receiver there for the Elks. Nice. So. He's not going to get a starting spot, I would imagine. I, they loaded up, Chris Jones loaded up all the money and spent it only on the wide receiver position. It feels like this offseason they're stacked. They are stacked at the position, but uh, he's definitely making the roster. They, I think they've made all of their roster cuts already, actually, the Elks have. They played two games already, and the next morning Chris Jones gave a half of those guys their walking papers uh the ones that didn't make the team because they're done for the preseason they're now prepping for regular season and he made the cut uh and his preseason performance was a big part of that there so you know probably not a guy that gets into a starting role right now but i could see being one of those depth guys that's next up if somebody does go down due to injury or is you know a piece going forward when say a guy like a manny arsenal uh retires uh you know and, and is it, how much longer is he gonna play he's a little bit up there in age maybe he gets into a return role a little bit i don't know you mentioned he does have some return capabilities uh but yeah fantastic preseason for him uh, i think certainly uh he's a potential weapon uh like you've like you've talked about that uh, could be utilized in that edmonton offense there so i have to follow up and ask you guys chris jones right like we all saw he did nothing with Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler destroyed the XFL just because he just got one good quarterback and a decent, like a mediocre, really good average coach. So is this Chris Jones that's messing up this wide receiver room? Or is this, um, do you think it's the change as far as the the rules and things like that? What do you think the deal is with Edmonton and maybe underselling their capabilities at wide receiver? I don't know. Well, I don't there's there's two parts to this. One is the Canadian ratio part. I think uh, when you're a young wide receiver coming into the uh, Canadian Football League, you have to make an impression immediately, or you are out. Essentially, it's 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 just the way it is in the CFL because uh, there is only select American spots available for wide receivers, uh, and especially with Canadian uh, CIS guys starting to become a little bit more capable, it seems like, and a little bit better. Uh, it seems like guys are starting to use them and fill them in when they need to use spots. That being said, Chris Jones is not a guy that knows offense very well. He took one of the best offensive uh, receivers and offensive threats, turned him into a, to, into a defensive back. And did it at Dukin, yes, I remember that. That's wild. Um, so, I mean, it, it, he's a guy that he loves athletes, right? And if he didn't see something out of uh, uh, the XFL guy there, sorry, again, I think it's Akeem. Sorry, my brain's dead. Akeem Butler. Akeem Butler. If he didn't see something out of Butler that he didn't uh, just seen anything that he wouldn't have liked, he would have got rid of him. That being said, though, they also have uh, one of the best assistant GMs that's a wide receiver that's ever played the game in G-Roy Simon. So you think that if he figured out talent – and if he was allowed to look at talent, G-Roy would have said, okay, this guy's good. We got to keep him. That being said, yeah, the other thing also with the Elks you got to remember is I'm still questioning their quarterbacking a little bit. Maybe myself, Taylor Cornelius is not the 
uh, be all end all probably of elite quarterbacks quite yet in the CFL. Maybe he'll work to be that, but I don't think he is right now. And it was quite a rotation last year of just getting a quarterback out there, let alone getting right, right wide receivers with the right guy. So I think it was just kind of an unfortunate kind of a guy that slipped through the cracks more than anything. Uh, but that being said, you, you don't look very good when you let a guy go like a Keem Butler to the XFL when you're Chris Jones, right? So do you think um, it was Ford, right, the one that got drafted, like do you think he would be the better option over Cornelius or do you think that would help any maybe with the, the overall offense or do you think this is like just quick quick Jones or Chris Jones being Chris Jones? It's Chris it's partly Chris Jones being Chris Jones because he does not really have any use for a quarterback essentially in his system. If you look at what he did in Saskatchewan back in the day he had Brandon Bridge and uh, he brought in Kevin Glenn for a while he's an old old quarterback at that point and uh yeah he just ran with that because Really, he knew that he had enough wide receivers to make a make a roster. Uh, there's a real drain right now in quarterbacks. I always believe in the CFL. Edmonton suffers a little bit from this because they don't have that elite quarterback. And I don't think Chris Jones really, to him, it doesn't matter because his idea is I will stop them from getting points in the defense and, well, our offense will get enough to get it done. So... I like I said to me, it's partly Chris Jones, but it's also partly how the CFL is right now, with just not very much for quarterbacking, uh, and especially elite or top level quarterbacks in the league. Last year, you seen what Nathan Rourke did as an elite quarterback, just came and lit up the league. And there was everybody was just gawking because they're like, What in the world is this? Uh, I'm hoping we see a few more of those this year because the CFL really needs to work on developing some new quarterbacks in this league. You know, it's interesting. Like, I look at this, you know, Maurice French, and I think of a prototypical Chris Jones type of player. Um, I think Chris Jones would have multiple great cap range in this lead as the coach and general manager if he had a quarterback on all of his teams. Um it's just, it's remarkable to me that one of the weakest flaws of Chris Jones is his lack of ability to have a go-to quarterback. And I understand that people think that Edmonton is going to be better, but I don't think they're going to be as good as some people are making them out to be, in large part because I don't believe that their number one quarterback, their future number one quarterback is currently on the roster right now. And this is just a prototypical athlete that you know, wouldn't surprise me if he was a DB after a while. Um, that's, excuse me, that's just how, how Chris Jones operates. And it's about the unexpected with the die. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying I see Deron Carter here, um, but... You know, athletic, gifted player, you know, fits that Chris Jones mold. And I'm excited uh, to see how this guy fits into the plans. All right, let's move on to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders here next. Uh, who you got here for us, Brandon? Sure. So I was telling Adam earlier that uh, the Rough Riders have a type. And so their type is these bowling ball running backs that are just – 
will love contact, will hit you, and is not afraid to just run through anybody and everybody that they have to. So think of Frankie Hickson, but at a higher level of competition in college football. So coming from Louisville is Mr. Javion Hawkins. He's 5'9", but he's 196 pounds, all muscle, by the way. The dude's just yoked. Um, played for the Louisville Cardinals out of the ACC conference, so I know them well. You know, Playing against my Tar Heels, I got to see them quite a few times. Um, Javon Hawkins is an absolute stud. So told us he only got to play three years, but he got busy in those three years. So he had 2,355 rushing yards, 16 rushing, rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. He did have 21 receptions, 197 receiving yards. So he can catch out the backfield if he needs to did have some return yards. So he only had 57 return yards, but only did it in 24 games. So because he was so good about putting up so many gaudy numbers in that one, in three years and 24 games, he averages about 15.82 fantasy points per game if we tallied all that up in Canadian football as far as the CFL and how they play fantasy football with their their scoring system. So the thing is to say is that uh, you know Saskatchewan is stacked at running back, and I'll let Adam speak to it because they got Morrow, Hickson, and now Hawkins. I just hope they can find a way, even if he just does returns like Hickson did in the first year, I would be stoked to see Hawkins on the field. That one-two combo, and if Morrow has nothing left in his tank, I know he's been around for a good while. I still think he's got some left in him, but if he didn't, I think Hickson and Hawkins are the future of Saskatchewan. I think they would just run through people, and I love it, man. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you on this. I went and I just took a quick glance at what he did in the preseason game versus the BC Lions. Uh, he had some good return yards. He had some great run yards. And uh, he was even catching balls out of the backfield. The, that being said, the two guys that are right now considered the starters in Saskatchewan, Hickson and uh, Morrow, uh, didn't play on uh, for the first preseason game. So that's a little harder to compare. But... Javavian Hawkins, they must really, really, really like in Saskatchewan. He became available uh, just, he got released in the NFL uh, in October. And within two weeks, the Riders had him signed, locked up, and kept for the whole offseason. Very smart. They they really, really like this guy for some reason. I know he was on their negotiation rights list for a very long time in Saskatchewan. Because I look, look at that from, from when we get those little like snippets that you get from... Uh, once in a while from the CFL, uh, you know, they give you the little tease and then don't tell you the whole negotiation list. Yeah, that one. Anyways, he's been on there for almost a year, so they've really wanted him badly. Um, this being said, I mean, the issue I've got with him coming in is, A, you're right, the running back spot is rightful in Saskatchewan right now, but the return spot, unfortunately, is rightful also. You've got Mario Alfred in there, who's a longtime veteran in the CFL that can crack one open at all any time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. I mean, he is getting a little more veteran in the league. Uh, that being said, he's still a darn good returner, uh, as we've seen last year. I think he had three touchdown returns for him kickoffs, or uh, four, I think, one from each, uh, one from a field goal miss, one from a kickoff miss, and one on a, uh, I can't remember what the uh, punt return, I guess he had as well. And two of them were against Winnipeg. I just thought I mentioned that to you three, four. Uh, anyways, uh, nevertheless, uh, so it'll be very interesting to see what they do there because they're obviously very high on Hawkins. Maybe they do a trade. Maybe, we don't see them very often in the CFL trade, but maybe this is the time where you get move a Jamal Morrow and get what you can for assets out of it. And, Keep the young guy because, I mean, running backs are kind of, you know, in the CFL are starting to get a little tougher to find is what I find. Some of the the really good ones are getting aged up. I mean, you look at Montreal. 
Uh, they've got some aged running backs. BC right now, I think they're having they they really seem to like Williams, but uh we'll see if they actually stay with that. Uh didn't have as great of a game as I thought he would have in Saskatchewan, especially running against the defensive line that wasn't all there. Uh so it'll be very interesting to see what they do with Hawkins here because uh I can't see him releasing Hawk. I can't see them releasing Hawkins, but I can't see where he fits in as well in Saskatchewan, unfortunately. So I, I want to see what happens here because yeah, guy seems very really talented. Right on, yeah. Yeah, yeah no. you you mentioned a lot of depth there at the at the running back position for the riders. Are you actually proposing a trade to happen in the CFL? Preposterous that I know, I know, just utterly utterly Pick stunning. I, mean, I just I, I can't see it, I can't see it happening either. I think somebody's getting released, but if you want to see a shock release of the Saskatchewan, this might be the area where you see a shock release. Other than one of those quarterbacks that really did good uh, last week, uh, this could be the area because honestly, they really—I like—I've heard from a few guys now. Hawkins is really hot and really, really, uh, really high up in Saskatchewan. So, and the XFL wanted him, but the fact that the CFL played the keep away—that was a smart strategy by the Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rider, like I say, when a guy's sitting on the neg list for how long and then picking him up within two weeks, I mean, you clearly, clearly want the guy. So, anyway. Let's move on to our next team here. Uh, it is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, we unfortunately do have another guy uh, <laughs> to talk about here that uh, has been let go in training camp. Uh, Javon uh, Hiley? How do you pronounce his name? Uh, did, I pre- did I get it right? Yep. Yeah. Javon Hiley, yep. Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, tell us, I guess, Brandon, on what the Bombers are missing out on here by letting them go. Well, one, I understand the Blue Bombers are stacked at wide receiver. Um, clearly, my boy Don Stone's there, Kenny Lawler, returning back to the Bombers. Uh, we got uh, the big, tall guy that I can't pronounce his last name that you guys are way better at pronouncing his name than I am. Uh, but needless to say, they just got a ton of talent at wide receiver. However, Javon Hiley in our world of CFF, he was like one of the top three like um, round wide receiver pick. Like he was that that impressive, basically. So he played all four years, over a, a 191 receptions. So he was a reception monster. In his last few seasons, he went over 65 receptions in each season. So he absolutely crushed it. 2,825 receiving yards, 22 receiving touchdowns. He also, uh, you know, gave 11 rushing touchdowns. He did over 194 return yards, and that's within 49 games. So because it was 49 games, he ended at 13.86 fantasy points per game as far as CFL scoring. However, if he paid a lot less games, which that wasn't going to be possible because he literally started freshman year, and it was absolute monster. He's a beast, gets open. Even though he's 6'1 and 200, that's like – the ideal for an NFL player. So needless to say, like if you can be a little bit taller, great, but they love like guys that are like five eleven, six foot, six foot one, and they're over 200 pounds. That's like the equivalent NFL wide receiver. And he just had the catch one, but because he played at the lower competition at coastal Carolina, he got overlooked a lot. And so the NFL of course looks for like me and Mike talked about the P five guys, um, the guys that are in higher conferences that you see on TV a lot more. So they get a lot more looks and a lot more film on tape. But Javon Hiley was like a CFF all-star to us. Like he won us literally there's weeks where he would drop like 40 fantasy points in one game type situation. He was ridiculously good. So um, needless to say, like he holds near and dear to my heart because I had him in one of the leagues that literally won me 
a fantasy championship, but he's also in others. So he's highly touted in our community. So I, you know, I was going to praise the Blue Bombers for once again finding another diamond in the rough from another possible Dalton Schoen candidate type situation. So where if a receiver went down, we could have another rookie of the year type situation. So, but he's been released and I get it. It's, it's tough. And like Adam was saying, you have to produce usually right away. So if I guess he didn't make the biggest impression right away, or they just looked at the receivers and was like, yeah, we're good. You know, we got Lawler back and a few others, so we should be fine. However, if you're guys like, um, what is the, I, I looked at some of the, I think the Alouettes are a team that should be looking at uh, some receivers. Edmonton, if they could figure out the wide receivers would be an option. Calgary is unproven wide receivers. He would be a good fit and him and Phil Pot would be an excellent one, two combination. Um, it's just, he's a stud. I hope he lands on a team. If he's not in the CFL, you're probably going to see him in the XFL next season. So I'm hoping the CFL team smart plays him in the fall. And then he gets his chance in the springtime. Um, it's it's just unfortunate. I get it. And there's just so many uh, you know spaces that you can have, but he's an absolute stud. And I was super stoked to see him. And I looked, I was like, oh my gosh, Javon Holly's on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This is a dream come true. So <laughs> I made sure I put him in the notes and do it. But stinks that he let him go. But like I said, I hope he lands and he uh, can show you guys in the CFL what he's capable of. I also think too, if it, if it was one injury, they wouldn't hesitate to call him back uh, either. Uh, we've we've seen that before, guys. You know. Maybe don't make the team out of out of training camp, or don't, you know, stick with the practice roster. But one injury, they're back on the practice roster. So that 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 could be a type of scenario too, um, you know. And I, I just think that I 100 percent agree with what you just said. It's it, it's really, uh, I think the preseason game on uh, on the weekend really uh, expedited that. Uh, fact about you know the embarrassment of riches at wide receiver and yeah it's too bad the rich get richer right at some point and you know there there might be some other teams best served to have a look at this guy because he was one of the guys that I was really excited to see and I was actually disappointed uh, he never did make it to the uh, to the preseason games anyway. All right, let's move on to our next team here. And uh, let's talk about a guy that is near and dear to Trey's heart. Uh, named him as his number one quarterback in the CFL. I heard. It's Chad Kelly. Uh, boy, I'm interested in this segment. Uh, tell us all about him, Brandon. Boys, let's talk about Chad Swag Kelly. <laughs> Uh, is currently the starting quarterback for the Toronto Argonauts, the defending Grey Cup champions. Hurts my heart a little bit, but it is what it is. Um, he's 6'2", 216 pounds, played at Ole Miss, a.k.a. Mississippi, the same team that played Jordan Tayamu, who's D.C. Defenders, Eli Manning, of course, you know that name very well. Um, just a lineage, uh, Matt Corral, who was good in college, but he's the backup there in Carolina. But needs to say, Really good quarterbacks and good play, um, and usually under Lane Kiffin system, so really good passing as well. Here's the thing about Chad Swag Kelly. He runs his mouth, and it gets him in a lot of trouble, and I'm sure you guys have probably heard maybe some of it. Maybe you think it's confidence. Maybe sometimes you might think it's arrogance, but there is a swagger to Chad Kelly. I mean, he is literally the nephew of the great Jim Kelly of the Buffalo Bills in the past, so he has a lineage of quarterback in his family. So he comes from quarterback royalty. However, every time he's gotten an opportunity, he's ruined it by doing something stupid, whether that's at Ole Miss, 
chasing porn stars when he needed to be doing practice, whether it is, uh, you know, being Mr. Irrelevant for the Denver Broncos, actually almost getting a chance to start because of injury, but because he partied so hard that he wound up at a stranger's house in a Halloween costume and got kicked out, Von Miller got mad and said, hey, kick this guy off our team. And so he left the Denver Broncos. Then he almost played for the Indianapolis Colts. But he, uh, I forget what he's doing, but he didn't have a certain, like he was gaining weight. He wasn't focusing on his nutrition and stuff like that. So eventually he wound up in the CFL as a, uh, a journeyman. So now I hear he finally gets a shot. And uh, that's glad because I do want to talk about what Chad Kelly is really good at. And that is passing and rushing the football to go along with it as well. Uh, so this is 6,858 passing yards. Uh, 50 passing touchdowns. He did have 21 interceptions, but it's a pretty good ratio between the two. The best part is Chad Kelly knows how to run. So this is 949 rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns, and that's in 27 games. So because he only played 27 games and he had a whole year where he sat out suspension in 2014, uh, he uh, he averaged 22.63 fantasy points per game in the CFL level. Now, I didn't get a chance to you know get to play uh, Chad as far as one of my options in CFL fantasy this past year. But it looks like, you know, Toronto's on a good start. So as long as Chad Kelly can just stay focused and not run his mouth out of the CFL and keep his starting spot and not complain about pay or worrying about getting back to the NFL because he's been red flagged or black flagged, whatever you want to call it. So regardless if he thinks he's going back to the NFL, he's not. The best he could possibly do is CFL or XFL. So honestly, if he's got a starting gig here, this is good for him. This would improve his stock and prove that he's a changed man. So as long as he can do that, Chad Swag Kelly is a, a quarterback of the future that you should have, and I would draft. So, Trey, I'm with you, bro. I'd draft him. I just hope he doesn't talk his way out of the league, man. And that's completely fine if he does, because nothing wrong with Swag, boys. Uh, so, so yeah, you're you you, you you're on the same part, or you're on the same trip path as me, that you believe uh, Chad Kelly could be this year's uh, most outstanding player. He's uh, he's got a pace to get there. Yes. Am I going to be as bold as you, my friend, with a sweet sunglasses? I am not. Um, but I feel like he has a good path. Like I said, as long as he doesn't mess it up, because he is he is his own worst enemy. I just love the guy. I don't care. It's uh it's big D energy, and I'm all for that, boys. Uh, I I have nothing. You know what? Chad Kelly can speak for himself. I don't have much more to add, so we can just next on guy. to the next. Sounds good. Let's on move the Cleveland, on to the, Let's move on to the Ottawa Red Blacks. You're sticking at the quarterback position. Uh, let's learn a little bit more about Dustin Crump. So, I'll go ahead and say Ottawa, they have some sweet um, quarterback action going on. Whether it's Mazzoli, I think they had Arbuckle they picked up later um, this past uh, season. And now Dustin Crum, a, uh, a CFF legend basically because of the, the conference being the Mac conference, Mac conference is um, defense optional um, very much a lower G five level. Uh, and they literally will try to run up the score. And this is the same conference that the great Curtis Roy and Nathan Rourke played in as well. So they play the likes of Ohio Bobcats and uh, those type of conferences and stuff like that. So needs to say that Dustin Crum got a lot of opportunity. One was because he got to play an additional year because of COVID season. He was a five-year starter. We call those super seniors, basically. So because of that, he got a lot of opportunities. Um, so he went for over 7,398 passing yards, 55 passing touchdowns to only 12 interceptions, so even a better ratio than Chad Kelly. Um, he had The best part is that running is a thing in the MAC conference because no one can stop anybody. So literally he had 2,071 rushing yards, um, 24 rushing touchdowns, he also had one reception. He caught a pass, and he played 50 games total. 
So even in 50 games with all that, he still is over about 17.12 fantasy points per game. So if you said that, hey, maybe he didn't play another season because of COVID, so he played a regular four games, he would be well over 25 fantasy points per game. So needs to say Dustin Crum is good on his legs. He's got a rocket of a cannon. So he just needs to be put in the right spot. Um, the Red Blacks have like one or two good wide receivers that I really like from last season. Um, you know, spot starts. I know, uh, I believe our guy, uh, Caleb, last year, Mr. Evans, has gone to a different team. So this opens up an opportunity for a guy that's even better of an arm and even better opportunity as far as his legs. So if they can get Dustin Crum near the goal line, and I, I know CFL does this where they'll bring in the secondary or even the third quarterback to come near the goal line and score, this could be option for Dustin Crum. So it would be a good, interesting – this is a very – far one because he's like i'm assuming he's about quarterback four or three probably on the depth chart and i guess we'll talk about it in a second but if he can crack into the lineup or even just get in for like a few plays on the goal line he'd be sneaky good for fantasy one especially if you're running low on like a budget and stuff like that and you need like a cheap like two thousand dollar play or something like that or even a thousand dollar play throwing crumb and just throw him in there you know and just kind of pump the quarterback position and then play up on your wide receivers and running backs that's another good strategy um to have basically so maybe do that a couple games that'd be pretty interesting so but dustin crumb is a an absolute monster um and come to the red blacks that's a good opportunity for him see i like everything you said about it but like you made the point where is he going to be on the depth chart like he's not going to beat mazzoli or arbuckle unless he really outperforms. And right now their third string, I would say is Tyree Adams, who actually has had some snaps in the CFL. Maybe he could beat him out. He's only had like, I don't know, seven passes completed or something. So he could beat him out. But you know, my biggest takeaway too is uh, he doesn't, he's the only quarterback that doesn't have his pitcher up on the, uh, on their roster site. So, you know, that's well, uh, not a good thing right here. Look at that. I, know, I can see him right there, but on the CFL site, you know, they don't <laughs> think he's, they don't think he's uh, sticking around. Um, I don't gotcha. really have much more to add, but just, you know, you said a lot of good things about him. You know, you, you're right. He could be that third and short guy and and could come in and play like that. It's just, man, you know, with Mazzoli, you know, he's been quick too. He's a guy like maybe you don't want to risk his injury, but he could also just go and do third and inches. You also have Arbuckle, you know, that's the backup's job often. So I don't know. I, I like what you said, but I just don't see him fitting in. But hey, you know what? We just talked about Edmonton. Who could use a quarterback? We talked about other teams that could use a quarterback, right? So maybe he yeah. could fit in. Does Saskatchewan need a quarterback, Adam, yet? No, we're making all the backups so you guys can have one, too. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, let's talk about who you got here for the Montreal Alouettes, Brandon. Yep, so we got a guy closer to the home. So I am a North Carolina Tar Heels fan, but they're a little bit further away. But East Carolina, or ECU we call them, is only like an hour away from my house. So I, I see a lot of their home games, and they get a lot of the uh, the marketing and stuff like that around the area. So Tyler Sneed, smaller gadget-type player. Think, um, if you're looking at NFL, probably like a Cooper Cup-type situation, but a poor man's Cooper Cup, but really good gadgety. Really good uh, route tree, a really good hands to go along with it. And he's shifty and he's not afraid to grow across the middle. So if you do have to do a slant route or anything like that, he's your guy. He's 5'7", 174. That's a little bit. Um, and I think he's gotten a little bit bigger since then, like 180 something, but still smaller guy. So as long as he's okay with taking a hit and some of those big boys that some of the CFL player uh, defenses have, then I think he would be okay. Montreal Alouettes are in desperate need of a wide receiver from what I could see on the depth chart there and things like that. So I think he would have at least an opportunity to kind of get there. Hopefully he hasn't been released already. If not, then he's got a good shot. 
Um, but total 201 receptions over 2,348 receiving yards, 18 receiving touchdowns. But he did do some uh, gadget plays, so he has passed for three passing touchdowns, so he does have an arm. Two return touchdowns, which is great. So he's actually got a returning reduction and over 1,528 return yards, and that's big time when it comes to the CFL. So he played 37 games, but because – and this is where the CFL and their fantasy and how they're scoring versus CFF is much more valuable – because of his returning and his touchdowns, he's 16.99 fantasy points per game at 37 games. And if it wasn't for that 1,500 return yards and two return touchdowns, then we probably only have half of that. So needless to say, Tyler Stane is what we call a Swiss Army knife. Um, very gadgety and definitely would be a guy. If you just need a guy to go make a play, he would be a guy to go make a play. So I think pair him up like in a little position, maybe in the inside, put Reggie White on the outside. I think that could be a nice little one-two combo there. So what's your guys' thoughts on post need in Montreal. Yeah, I, I think it's a good fit. Uh, I think they are a team that needs somebody at wide receiver. You know, they lost their two of their top guys, Eugene Lewis and uh, Jake Winicky, both leaving the offseason. They brought in Greg Ellingson, who is a pretty fine piece there himself. But there are going to be, you know, a couple of starting spots where they're looking at maybe somebody who hasn't been cemented in the lineup before. And so that's an opportunity for him to work his way into the lineup there or even, you know, the number one, number two backup uh, if, if he can't get into a starting slot. Uh, head coach Jason Moss is on the same page as you with a lot of the things you were just saying. I was just, you know, I was reading up on him here a little bit uh, and co comments on him from training camp from the coach. Uh, you know, very high praise for him and mentioning that uh, unlike some players, he can play any position at wide receiver. So there, are, that means a lot of options for him to potentially find his way into a lineup uh there for Tyler Sneed uh in, in Alouette's camp here and uh yeah apparently he's he's been working at wide receiver he's been working at returner a little bit I think there's a couple guys ahead of him on the depth chart in the return game but uh seems like a guy that's going to stick around at least and whether it's on the main roster as a backup or the practice roster could be a name we see at some point uh this season yep absolutely uh, so that's all we've got for slides here for, for players to talk about. Now, there's one team we haven't talked about uh, here yet, and uh, I did check with you beforehand. This was not by mistake. This was by design. Uh, we haven't talked at all about the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Why is that, Brett? Because when I went to look at the Hamilton Tiger Cats, I noticed a lot of familiar names from the CFL the year before on there as well. So I also did some little bit of digging, found out that Hamilton is hosting the Great Cup this year. So I started putting two and two together. So I was like, okay, I think Hamilton's going to try to make a run at the Great Cup because a lot of the times they, uh, especially with a the team, they're literally looking to you know stack the deck against their opponents. And honestly, as as much as I uh, I favor the West because of the Blue Bombers, the East I feel like can be winnable, especially with the likes of like, you know, Toronto versus Hamilton. So I think if Hamilton can stack the deck like they're doing now, they would give Toronto a good run for their money as far as out of the East. And that might be the showdown that they're possibly hoping for, hoping they can have home field advantage going to the Grey Cup. So, you know, looking at the roster, didn't see too many of my college guys going there because I saw a lot of names that I was familiar with last year in CFL Fantasy, and they're all on, you know, over in the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So I saw a lot of movement. So it seems like they were busy in free agency. So you guys can tell me a little bit more about that or if I'm on the right track that they are stacking the deck basically in the East. 
Well, they're trying to. Uh, I don't know how much they're really doing on the wide receiver part. Uh, they did bring in a few new names, though. Duke Williams, I mean, he was big in Saskatchewan last year, of course, but uh, big in the wrong reason. I mean, he probably would be good right beside Chad Kelly some days. Uh, nevertheless, uh, you've also got Anthony Johnson, who just came in from BC last year. Uh, he went to Hamilton. But the thing is with him, he's an American that's hurt, and he was presumed to be a starter, I believe, probably for the Ticats. So I was taking a look in their transaction records here for Hamilton to see if they brought in anybody to get uh, Johnson some help or get some help for filling in there. A Calvin Jackson Jr. from Washington State. Uh, any insight on him? He looked pretty interesting when I was reading his little stats. Uh, what can you tell us yeah. about him? Yeah, Washington State is also um, uh, another a coach that's Arbuckle, no relation to Arbuckle, the quarterback, but um, he has a history of coming from that air raid system. So um, the comes from that family tree of multiple coaches and stuff like that. So needless to say, they know how to get open. They know how to stretch the field. Um, so if, that's a good pickup. Still, I go get Javon Hiley, Hamilton. Just go get Javon Hiley, man. Like, if you don't do it, Winnipeg's just going to grab him back. Or – Go get KSB some help, man. Go get Schaefer Baker some extra help too, man. Like, just go get Javon Holly. But yeah, Jackson's good, man. Like, he can stretch the field. Decent hands. I would say he's not like uh, Maurice for French type of, you know, like really good, sure handed, but he's very much can stretch the field and, and make a play for sure. Yeah, that I was looking at it. And also with a quarterback that likes to stretch the field once in a while and a very veteran quarterback that knows how to make that pass, it might make his, uh, Jackson's life a little bit easier going into a team like Hamilton. Again, I know that you're you're dead on the money, though. They are going for uh, veterans. They're going for guys that can win them a great cup in 2023. They're not going for a guy that's going to win them a great cup in 25, 26, because they probably will be rebuilding at that point. Uh, maybe. You never know with the, with the CFL. That only takes a year or so sometimes. But, um, yeah, other than that, though, you're right. I mean, the C there, there's a lot of uh, veterans guys on that team. Uh, they've got veteran Canadian guys. I mean, I just seen that they cut Caleb Morin, who was one of their draft picks in the national uh, side of things. So, yeah, it's all or nothing for the Ticats, and you're right on it. It's going to be what they can do. And, I mean, the big piece of that, I think, is going to be have to be the American Duke Williams, and that gets me a little nervous in uh, watching what he did in Saskatchewan. So. Well, that, now that we've talked about players that are in the CFL or trying to make a name for themselves in the CFL, now let's turn our eyes to the one player everybody's waiting to see in the CFL going forward. The the Curtis Rourke watches on uh, 2024 potential draft uh, if he does you know want to come to the CFL here. So, uh, you know, we all have our eyes on him after seeing what his brother Nathan did in the CFL last season. He's off to the Jacksonville Jaguars now. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with Curtis Rourke. Sure. So late 2022, um, he suffered an ACL injury. The good thing, as soon as it happened, he immediately got surgery there, I believe it was November 2nd of 2022. So it wasn't very long after that week. Before then, he was on a tear um, going for like five touchdowns, three touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns in two games. So he was on an uproar. Ohio has a really good wide receiver and then also a really good running back to pair with him. And Curtis Rourke is very much a dual threat. I'd say between the two, Nathan has the bigger arm. Curtis has the better legs, if that makes sense. So it's like if you put the two together, you have a mega board, basically, right? Um, but with the brothers, you know, you still have a really great talent out as well. 
Um, so with that in mind, he's he didn't play in the spring game just because they wanted to kind of ease him back slowly. But from what I hear in the summertime, he's fully 100% and he's ready to start summer camp. So as soon as they actually start that here, I believe the next month or so as CFL is kicking off, that's when the camps start happening in college. And then we kick off in August and stuff like that. So Curtis Rourke is on par to start. He is the incumbent starter. No one's saying no to as well. He's also been uh, drafted pretty high in CFF because of the conference that we talked about, the same one that Dustin Crum came from and the Mac. There's no defense. So literally like Curtis Rourke literally just destroys his opponents when they play in that conference. Um, so people will draft him fairly high. The first couple of weeks they have to go against tougher opponents. So if you got to go play in Alabama or go play Georgia, the national champions and stuff like that, you got to sit Curtis Rourke because that defense is like playing an NFL team basically. So it's kind of a little bit of an unfair advantage. But when they play conference play, Curtis Rourke is just by far the best. I still think Curtis Rourke would give CFL a shot, especially the way that he said that it helped out his brother Nathan. He is from uh, Canada, of course, so he is a home there. Uh, so, like, he does have his ties there, and he does like it. The difference now is basically we have the XFL and the USFL in the way. And the XFL, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't try at least to give Curtis Rourke a call and try to get him there as well. But who's not to say that Curtis Rourke, the thing is, like, he's probably not going to get drafted because he's playing in Ohio. So the same thing that happened to Nathan. Nathan's a great quarterback. But because, like, we talked about with Mike as far as, like, these other teams that get more TV time, they get the better money and the programs and stuff like that. They're likely to get drafted in the NFL because there's more tape and more, more in front of scouts. So um, unfortunately the uh, rich get richer and the poor, you know, have to scrap and claw for everything that they got. So the good thing is that Curtis Rourke will have an opportunity to choose whether he wants to probably join a squad, like a, you know, third string work his way up in the NFL, or he could say, nah, I'm going to start in the XFL or, no, I'm going to be loyal, you know, to where I come from and start in the CFL and then let the uh, Hunker Games begin, basically, because I'm sure every team would want to have a piece of Curtis Rourke and the Rourke lineage for sure. So but he's on par. He's doing well. Um, he's going to start as long as he stays completely healthy in the entire season. I'm, I'm expecting some pretty big numbers. He is a redshirt junior, meaning that he had one year where he was he sat down that he didn't have to play in his freshman year. So technically he could play two more years in, in college. But if he does really well, he might have the numbers that he wants to kind of move on to the pro. So it kind of just depends on if he wants to stay next year at Ohio or move on to a pro level, basically. Now, knowing all of this, uh, quickly, I guess, let's go around the table here. Where does everybody feel like is the, uh, the most ideal landing spot for Curtis Rourke if he is to come to the CFL? Uh, Trey, let's go to you first. Oh, you threw the CFL in there because I was going to say like Tennessee or some AFC South rival because that would be great. But CFL, um, I think Saskatchewan needs a quarterback. Hey, Adam, I'll, you can have him, buddy. I'll let him go to Saskatchewan. You do realize that we just beat the BC Lions with like three backup quarterbacks. I mean, congrats. You've got you won your first preseason game since 2014. I'm so proud Land of the you. Parade. Land, Land the, the parade. parade. Just like those 2013. Hey, 2013, we did win the Great Cup when we lost one last our preseason game. Just saying, the, the the resemblance is uncanny. Anyways, no, I'm just really high on Jake Delagala right now. In all honesty, in Saskatchewan, on that part, uh, the guy's six foot six. He's a monster out there. Uh, he can throw a ball like there's nobody out there. And uh, yeah, I I'm really high on Delagala. I don't know if uh, Saskatchewan really kind of maybe. Well, again, one game. I know, but you know what? We'll see how it goes there. If anywhere, I would think Toronto, to be honest with uh, with it all, what everything goes. Uh, Curtis Rourke, uh, 
could really, really light that team up. I have a funny feeling this is uh, Chad uh, Kelly's last year in Toronto one way or another, uh, just because of the, you know, confidence. Uh, so, uh, like I say, I, I think Toronto would be a really good destination for him. Another one might be Ottawa, in all honesty. I don't know how much I have in Nick Argbuckle or even that case. Uh, oh, man, do I have brain farts. Jeremiah Mazzoli. Jeremiah Mazzoli, thank you very much. Uh, I don't have much faith in Mazzoli uh, staying upright very much this year, and I think that they're going to do kind of the old uh, Cody Fajardo style to him eventually by getting uh, thrown out. So Ottawa, Toronto, those would probably be my first choices for Curtis Rourke. So. I'm with you on Ottawa personally. That was kind of my go-to. You know, Mazzoli's 35, Arbuckle's 30. Uh, you know, Arbuckle's bounced around and hasn't become, you know, hasn't gotten that definitive starting success uh, that we've seen yet. So I think they're a team that could use a young quarterback for the future. I mean, maybe Dustin Crum's that guy. We just talked about him, right? But uh, uh, I think Curtis Rourke uh, would be a good fit there. I think it would also, you know, be a nice thing for a fan base that has sat there and, and, and packed the stadium despite not winning very many home games in the last couple of years. So they've been through the ringer. Uh, they've stuck around. They've supported the team. Uh, sure. Give them Curtis Rourke uh, for all, all the pain and suffering. Uh, Mike, what about you? Where do you think would be an ideal spot for him? I'm looking at two places, one east, one west, Edmonton and Montreal. Uh, I I think the guy like Curtis Rourke fit, fit, Rourke fixes the problem, uh, but Edmonton seems to have a quarterback. No disrespect to Taylor Cornelius and Trey Ford, both of which I think we'll see action this year, uh, neither of which, to me, strikes it as a number one. And it's a very much show-me season for the former Rough Rider quarterback in Cody Fajardo. Um we're going to find out, but I believe, uh, I hope Cody Mons is back, but there just seems to be a lot of questions about that football team as a whole uh, outside of the um, outside of the quarterback position and even that quarterback position. Um, I'm not really a big fan of how his tensure ended in Saskatchewan, but I, it's still very much a show-me year for Cody Fajardo. Uh, I've been getting a guy like Kurt, Curtis work with uh, certainly it's like the fan base in Montreal that has some exciting pieces to work with and uh, hopefully more in the future. And I think it starts with a very good viable option at quarterback. Right on. Uh, well, I think that pretty much does it here for tonight, guys, unless anybody's got anything else to throw in before we start wrapping things up here. Uh, first of all, Brandon, thanks for taking the time to join us tonight. Uh, we're closing in, I believe, on midnight, uh, Brandon's time. So uh, we appreciate you uh, putting in the late night to accommodate our schedule here. And uh, it's a lot of fun every year having you have you come in and uh, teach us a little bit about the college fantasy football. So uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, one more thing also, just so I know. Uh, UNC's quarterback, who is it this year? And when will uh, Saskatchewan sign him to win a great cup? <laughs> 
Uh, that's Drake May. He's a Heisman contender. He's probably going to go second overall in the NFL draft, if not first. Not uh, sorry, man. I mean, if push comes to stuff, he has a massive injury. <laughs> like maybe, you know, he's a journeyman and he's like, I got two bad ACLs, blah, 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 whatever. But you can have Mitchell Trubisky if you want. I, mean, I think he's the backup in Pittsburgh. But he was our past one. Uh, same house as starting quarterback in Washington. So we got a good track record of good quarterbacks, you know, in the, in the NFL. Yeah. But um, maybe in a couple years, there's a kid coming up, Connor Harrell. I don't think that he'll be drafted that high. He could wind up maybe in the CFL, and he's a good uh, run pass option. So he's a good dual threat. Just well, I, was just, just, I was just referring to, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, we, could, we haven't really had a quarterback since we've had the old uh, number four, Darian Durant, really in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, current still Winnipeg Blue Bomber, apparently. No, I think the contract's over now. I think the uh, $70,000 we paid him to retire uh, is, is over with. He must have really wanted him to retire. If, <laughs> if he came out of retirement, he's Winnipeg Blue Bomber property. I'm just saying. Wow. That was like three years ago, man. I think the contract's okay. dead. Just a quick one on the way out from me. As somebody that is not um, fully immersed in the CFL, week in, week out, you know, they just get it to kind of still know the lead as sort of a younger fan, uh, not a younger fan, but a newish, uh, newer fan. What excites you from the outside? Like, I know we talked about a lot of the storylines, uh, you know, what, what we're looking for. I'm just wondering, as a guy that has no connection, no real connection to a team, is, is there one thing that excites you about this season? Um, just being able to be more immersed to learning more about the history of the CFL, if that makes sense. Like I came from a perspective of just fantasy, understanding the points. So then I could do good in DraftKings or on the website, you know, just trying to beat others in competition and just kind of become an overall, you know, better fantasy player. The one thing I really like is the year round. Like I love how CFL starts in the summer. So I have something now I have XFL in the spring. Now I have the NFL in the fall, you know, so and I also have college. So I like plenty of football to go around, which is fantastic. Right. But uh, um, I just really feel like, um, you know, like everything is uh, I'm just wanting to be more immersed, if that makes sense. Like I want to start deep diving into Blue Bomber history and, you know, the Grey Cups of old and things like that and kind of really get into the lineage and stuff like that. Because if I'm going to sink my teeth and be a team like my Broncos or Tar Heels, I could tell you random facts that would bore you for hours on end. So it's just random, you know, like that's the thing. Like I want to be immersed in that and that culture in Winnipeg. And, you know, I'm a wrestling fan. So I mean, Winnipeg's near and dear to my heart as far as like Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, all those guys that are coming from there. And, you know, I'm not diehard hockey fans like you guys, but I am a New Jersey Devils fan. So if that offends some people but it's hard especially living in north carolina where the hurricanes are here so it's a rival territory but i do see the winnipeg jets and i do like how they move from a different franchise to there and at least they're doing better and making a playoff appearance so like you know i, I see winnipeg as like a, a new shining star in canada and you know all my favorite some of my favorite wrestlers come from there so it's a good like you know immersion that i'm kind of getting used to basically so we got you got any plans to to make a trip out here to catch a game one day? Possibly, yeah. I mean, if I can do it to where Winnipeg's playing and maybe like a, a wrestling pay-per-view or something, I would probably just ask one of you guys to come crash on a couch or something like that, or you know, and just so do see if we can get Adam out there, maybe we can get his hat back or something. I don't know. That'd be pretty dope. Perfect. 
All right. Uh, well, yeah, thanks again for joining us, Brent. Before we start wrapping things up and go through our usual wrap up here, uh, if people want to uh, follow all of your content and everything you're doing, catch more of what you're up to these days, uh, where can people find you? Sure. Uh, the best way to find me is over on Twitter. I'm at CFF University. Um, pretty much we have, uh, I have an ongoing weekly podcast in the off, uh, off season called the Future Freshman Podcast, where we um, highlight the guys that are coming from high school into their freshman season of college. So if you're in a dynasty league or a redraft league in, in college and you want to figure out who's going to be the next best thing and possibly a future Heisman contender and stuff like that, that's the place to go visit. So if you're interested in any of that, come check it out. You can, uh, we have the handle at future freshman. So just check us out there. Any written content that I have or anything else that'll be extra will be over at campus Uh, we have tools, guides, things like that. We're coming out with our own CFF guys. So if you want to get in CFF for the first time this year, it's literally the ultimate guide, the, pro, the probably most in depth that you'll see around as well, over a hundred some pages. So if you really just want to deep dive into you know, just players or in teams in general, if you have a team that you're, that sparked your interest, that would be a good time to get a hold of. It's only 20 bucks. So go check that out over at campusdecan.com. But uh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a blast hanging out with you guys. Awesome. Yes, looking forward. Uh, like I said, look forward to this every year, uh, doing this together with you. Uh, what's coming up next on the podcast? It's CFC Fantasy Draft 2023. Uh, just before we recorded this, we, uh, we went through our draft lottery. That video will be posted up uh, on our uh, YouTube page uh, within the next day or so at some point. Uh, but Trey is on the clock with the first overall pick in our fantasy draft Wednesday night, 12 round draft plus one keeper each, uh, see who comes out on top this season. Spoiler alert. It will probably be me again. Uh, yeah, Brandon's nodding. He gets it. Uh, tune in Wednesday night, 10 30 PM Eastern time. Uh, we'll be streaming live for the draft again. So look forward to that. Uh, and then we're getting into our regular season content. We're doing one show a week this year, uh, Wednesday nights, uh, 10.30 Eastern. Uh, once again, uh, we'll be uh, mostly focusing on a preview of the week to come. So fantasy, betting, uh, storylines, all that fun stuff there. If you want to follow us on social media, uh, you can do so. If this works properly, that's not what I wanted. Where did it go? It's almost there. Found it. Playing with screen controls. I got it. There we go. Uh, you can find us on uh, social media on Twitter at CFCountdownPod, Facebook.com slash CFCountdownPod there as well. Check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network. If for whatever reason you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, I'm at CooperTrooper42 there. Uh, Mike, uh, what do you all got going on these days? Where can people find you? Yeah, not a whole heck of a lot. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we had a significant tournament the last couple of weeks, so that's kind of where I've been uh, away from the podcast, talking that project. Uh, really, it's just fall planning. Uh, started today, actually, and uh, I expect that to continue right through till uh, we drop the putt for real. But people can find me on Twitter at Mike Darrell. I uh, can find the rest of uh, what I do at GameTimeTV.ca. Uh, and on uh, Facebook, facebook.com, Bastwatch, GameTime TV, uh, MB. Uh, thanks for the support so far. It uh, means a lot, and I look forward to cranking out a lot more content uh, starting soon. Awesome. Michael, happy to have you back here tonight as well. Uh, Trey, what do you got going on these days? Where can people find you? 
you can find me on uh, on Twitter at Trey Harness Link. Uh, knowing horse racing stuff. If you want to get more into that, check me out there. I have my own horse racing podcast, Harness News Live. Wednesday is at two Eastern, and Saturday is eleven a.m. Eastern, where we talk about things. This last weekend, I was live in Calgary. Uh, had some technical difficulties. Their Wi-Fi wasn't the greatest, and my laptop died mid-show. But you know crap happens uh but the next time i'll be live will be toronto in a few weeks where i get to take in that toronto hamilton game so yeah pretty excited adam buddy what's what do you got going on did you get your seeding done yeah i actually finished that up uh a couple days ago actually so that nice. was all good uh you can find me at adam stewart one uh i haven't really posted much on the twitter lately i've been posting mostly on instagram so you can find me there at farmer in saskatchewan or farmer in sask uh yeah you might get a good looking video of some cows leaving a pa- into the pasture today but nevertheless yeah excited cfl seasons here uh not sure if i'll make it to the game this weekend i mean that one's a little distant for saskatchewan fans and yeah i just don't feel like being tarred and feathered so nevertheless uh probably i'll wait till the home opener when we get to tar and feather tray so nevertheless yeah follow me at uh, adam stewart one if you want to on twitter Oh, I'll be in yeah. Toronto that weekend, man. I can't go. Oh, darn it. Well, don't worry. There'll be another game to target feather you're at. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I might have to start retiring from Labor Day. You know, I'm going to get myself into trouble one day. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the jail cell is named after me at this point. I still remember the one time I went on the Banjo Bowl bus and, you know, uh, me and this one guy were just trash talking each other all the way to the IGF field go and get to the game he's sitting two rows behind me so i'm sitting there trash talking him for the whole game at that time riders lose so i'm pretty quiet i get onto the bus and i'm like okay at least i don't have that the guy's sitting right behind me again so yeah yeah that that didn't work so well Amazing. so yeah i had to hear it all the way back uh while getting the bus ride back out of uh out to I the wish, uh, car park areas i wish i could say i remember a banjo bowl but i don't <laughs> i don't <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, check out the CFC Discord community. Uh, Lots of fun stuff there to come. Uh, If you want to play in a CFL Fantasy League, you know the official site uh, is going to be launching on Wednesday, I believe. It kicks off its new season. Uh, And if you want to play the official game, but with head-to-head matchups, join the uh, CFC Discord community Fantasy League. Play alongside us, play alongside Brandon. I think you wanted to get in on some of those there as well. I got a whole schedule template. I've been playing around with Google Sheets formulas for a week, uh, like the nerd I am. Uh, So I've got that all set to go. Come join, play a fantasy league. Uh, Lots of bonus content to come there. If you are doing fantasy drafts this week, I'll have the ultimate CFL fantasy draft guide uh, coming out later this week as well. It is currently seven pages long of just the quarterbacks and the running backs. So yeah, if y'all think uh, I'm not going to be fully prepared for our draft Wednesday night, you better bring your A game because uh, championship trophies sticking in my uh, in my office here. So when do we get to switch your name to the Professor Oak of uh, CFL Fantasy? Uh, we can do it at any time. Yeah, we'll make that happen. Uh, so yeah, all that content coming for our Discord community. Uh, episode or the link to join is in the episode description. Come on, join us there. We've got game chats uh, during CFL game days as well, and all that fun stuff. Lots to talk about there too. 
Uh, we always appreciate uh, you supporting the show, whatever podcast platform you listen on. Uh, you know, do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends. Help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. Uh, wow, so much fun tonight getting the whole crew back together again. Brandon, join us here as well. It's been a full house. It's been a fun evening. On behalf of Mike, Adam, Trey, myself, and special guest Brandon Sanders, uh, I say this is Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one.